Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Track Limits podcast team. A lot has happened since round one in particular. He's back. The Spaniard, El Matador, Fernando Alonso himself. So we're going to dive into some key points of his career leading up to now and what we think here at Track Limits podcast on the move by Cyril Abibol and team boss of Renault. So take it away, Phil. Well, I think this re-emergence of Fernando Alonso seems to come down to that age-old debate that we've been having here on Track Limits for, well, definitely throughout lockdown of uh, do you or should you choose to have back drivers that have already said they're retiring or leaving the sport or should you sack them off and make space for, for drivers that are up and coming through youth programs. And I think a lot of us have got different views on this and we're going to touch a little bit on uh, certainly reasons why Fernando Alonso is a good shout, reasons why Fernando Alonso may not have been a good move by Renault and reasons why, you know, youth programs versus retired drivers making returns might be uh, a bit of a touchy subject. So uh, I think to start, let's have a look at reasons why we think that this might be a good move for, for Renault. Uh, they've confirmed that Fernando Alonso is going to be coming back for 2021 to partner Esteban Ocon for two years uh, and then there'll be option for further years after those original two. So achievements in F1, where do we start? He's got two world championships, hasn't he? Yeah, two of them. Two world championships, start start at the top. Yeah, definitely. 05 and 06, uh, driving for Renault. Um, so he's he's been a champion in the team that he's returning to it's a bit of a love story there he was runner-up in 2012 with ferrari as well wasn't he yeah um 30 is it 32 race wins he's got or 31 yeah 32 i think 32 race wins uh nearly 100 times on the podium he's definitely he's definitely been around in f1 well seasoned yeah <laughs> um Deval, i'm gonna let you talk a little bit about his racing exploits in the last two years obviously uh, Fernando Alonso left McLaren in 2018. Yeah, and he's been busy. Yeah, he's been busy outside of F1. He uh, he did the World Endurance Championship and uh, he won five out of the eight races on the calendar of the 2018-19 uh, year. And they were Spa, which was the first round, Le Mans, which was the second one. And then he won again later on at Sebring, Spa again and Le Mans. So he's a two-time Le Mans winner in the same season. Uh, and then he, well, he, since I think he's after the Triple Crown, isn't he? So since he's got Monaco and Le Mans in the bag, he went to IndyCar to try and nab the Indy 500. Yeah, he certainly seems to be, uh, as Chris has said before uh, on a different podcast, a dab hand at racing anything. Mm-hmm. Been He's done the Dakar Rally this year. I think he came 13th or something or other. Yes. Um, despite rolling, I seem to remember he ro- rolled a car pretty significantly. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's quick in whatever he seems to get in. So for me, I don't think he'll have lost any speed which he had in abundance. So I th- I think he's definitely got the speed and the talent to deserve a place in Formula 1. In my opinion, F1 is for the fastest racing drivers in the world. It's a place where the quickest drivers in the world should be. Um, Regardless of age, Fernando is one of the fastest drivers in the world right now, despite the fact that he is is 38. So for me, if he has the speed, which he does, then he should be allowed to race in Formula One, despite having already left the sport. I know, Dom, you've got a little bit of a different view on on that. Uh, Would you care to... (laughs) 
share with the viewers your view on on returning retirees i've got uh, a bit of a payment part about it with regards to younger drivers the way how the current ladder into f1 is is that obviously you start in karting and then you work your way up through f4 f3 f2 into f1 and then sometimes depending on age and availability of seats sometimes they go across and do like a, a european formula championship or something as a as a filler gap between f3 and f2 you know so there's there's many different routes to get to f1 and also some other guys currently on the grid haven't actually gone through the full f3 f2 to get to the to f1 either but that's typically the norm but it doesn't cater very well to someone who's been really really quick like say for example stoffel van dorn and it's, he's an example that i want to make in my point uh van dorn came all the way up through the ranks and he was the prodigal son he was supposed to be the next big thing to come out of junior categories and there was nowhere for him to go but mclaren kept him uh, at the time it was alonso and jensen button driving a car that let's be honest didn't have the pace in it the two of them alonso in particular were able to wrestle what little it could do and make the most of it then they stuck stoffel in the car after alonso's horrific crash in australia and he got two points in bahrain and everyone's like yes the prodigal son everyone you know it's, it's all gonna be good and then the car got worse but with alonso at the wheel it was like okay you couldn't really tell that the car was getting worse because he was driving it that much harder but then how do you expect a rookie to go up against someone like alonso even if the car is that bad. I mean, it's just going to end badly for what was the prodigal son. I know I sound like a broken record player, but, and Stoffel van Dorn is no longer in F1. And I would, I would hate for that fate to happen to Ocon. And I am a huge Esteban Ocon fan. Uh, so from, from a junior driver perspective, I, you know, because Alonso is that good, even if you give him a car, that's a bathtub around a track. It just makes whoever his, whoever his teammate at the time just look so inferior to him. And I'm wary of that. The other thing is that, yes, he's, in my opinion, he's been there, done that. I mean, give respect to him. He's one of the few to, to, to have done what he did uh when he when he was at ferrari during the red bull glory days he was able to keep up with them in a car that wasn't really supposed to even when he won his two championships that year the ferrari was supposed to be the dominant car and he was able to get the pace out of it and even his second stint at renault that car wasn't the the best on the grid but he had race wins in it so he knows how to extract everything out of a car particularly we saw with his second stint at mclaren where the car was way inferior and just you can see him placing the car offline to make up for it and i've never seen anyone in in all of my time following some form of circuit racing drive a car like that uh, i won't even put lewis in the same category as him in terms of car placement if a car is inferior underneath you but i just think it's um this is my opinion i just think it's uh it's a bit desperate by cyril and fernando to get them back into the sport but there's potential and there's all there's potential for it to be good and potential for it to be bad and it all depends on how cyril manages it and either way alonso has a win-win he can get he can get to come back into f1 for two years the glitz and glamour get to drive a car again cool the biggest losers if it goes down that road will be cyril and Renault and what that partnership becomes and then ocon being a teammate but it also has the potential to be incredible because i mean whoever who who best to get data on a Renault 
than Fernando Alonso himself. And that would be really critical to Ocon, a French driver in a French team. And that would be Cyril No being the glue to getting Renault back up to its glory days that they promised Ricardo last year. So it's got potential to be good and bad. It's certainly going to be uh, a big opportunity for Ocon to, to prove himself. You know, he's got an opportunity to outperform Fernando Alonso, one of arguably the greatest ever. He's got an opportunity to match him. He's got an opportunity to learn from him. So I, I feel Ocon is going to be lucky. I don't think anyone's going to expect Ocon to match him. And if he does, then that's going to be better for him. Great for, for Ocon's career. And, and, and as, I, as you touched on as well with the uh, regards to the car development, I think that that's going to be vital at, at such a vital changeover between regulations. Obviously, the new regulations are coming in 2022 and Fernando's second year with the team his feedback could have a really big effect on where Renault start the year and where they start that new age of Formula One. You were talking about uh, young drivers. The The Renault Young Driver Programme is, I don't really know how to, how to best put it. It's not the best out there, is it? No, it's not. In fact, to be honest, I think the, the Red Bull Young Driver Programme is, is the only, uh, and McLaren, uh, the McLaren and the Red Bull Young Driver programs are far superior to the Mercedes and the um, Renault Young Driver programs, I would argue. Given that the Red Bull and the McLaren Young Driver programs are producing drivers that end up driving their cars. Uh, and that's that's the idea of... Uh, and they've got a variety to choose from. It's not just one. Of course. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Ferrari have got some good drivers and I think anyone would bite Ferrari's hand off to be considered a, a part of their junior team. And they've obviously got some, some people coming up the ranks. You've got Schwarzman and Schumacher in F2, people in F3 that Ferrari are following and of course Giovinazzi and so I mean theirs is, theirs is good as well but I think Renault's is just lacklustre and they've got They've got a really good driver in there, um, Guang Yuzhou, who was unlucky in Austria last weekend not to not to win a race and not to stand on the podium. I'd like to see, I'd like to see what he's got this year in F two. I think he needs a bit of time to to get used to to Formula Two and to to show off his talent there before he moves up. But it's definitely an option for when Fernando is gone after that two years. I think Joe might be in a really really good place um, if his his development carries on at the rate it's going. You were talking about Fernando coming in uh, and and ruining ruining young drivers' career. And, and ruining team environments. Uh, he has got a little bit of a history of causing a bit of, I've written down here, a bit of a fuss and having a detrimental effect on some teams that he's been at. So let's just think back. 07, McLaren joins Lewis Hamilton. There was that bust up at Hungary where Fernando stopped in the pit box and then which prevented Hamilton from having an attempt at pole position. And the, that inter-team battle and the, the politics going on there pretty much ruined either driver getting a shot at the title. They missed out by one point to Raikkonen. Then he went off back to Renault, didn't he? Uh, where there was a, a an accident, in inverted commas, with Nelson Piquet Jr., which Alonso claims he had nothing to do with. I just don't buy that, but that's a story for another time. Uh, then he goes to Ferrari and it was all, oh, he's going to save us. And he's going to... And his stint at Ferrari was incredible, as probably the best stint of his career. It was his peak of his career. And it ended in just fireworks. 
it just fell out yep. and then he ended up going back to McLaren and you know him and Jensen got on really well and then in comes Stoffel Van Dorn and again he wiped the floor with him kind of ruined Stoffel Van Dorn's career he just he just sort of he's like a tsunami or a, <laughs> a tornado he leaves a bit of a trail of destruction behind him wherever he goes um, so that could be good and I'm I'm sure that Renault aren't best placed to deal with Fernando's trail of destruction with Cyril Arbitable at the helm because I've made clear my opinions on Cyril Arbitable in the past I don't think he deserves the job as a, a team boss so we'll knock that on the head and we'll talk about some previous F1 world champions that have made comebacks there are to my knowledge five F1 world champions that have made comebacks after announcing a retirement from the sport. I did actually think when I was doing this, there are six, but I'm not counting Button's single return in Monaco. So they are Nicky Lauda, Alain Prost, Michael Schumacher, Kimi Raikkonen, and Nigel Mansell. If I've missed any, I apologise. Oh yeah, I forgot about Nigel Mansell. Now, those drivers were world champions before they retired and then they made a comeback in some form or another and how many i'm going to do a little quiz for you two how many of how many of them won a championship after coming back having retired do you think out of the five of them two two devour what do you think one okay dom you're right do you know which ones prost and lauda yeah prost and lauda won championships after um a break from the sport and then two of them had race wins. Yes. Yep. And that's Raikkonen and Mansell. And Schumacher is the only one not to have had a race win or a championship, but he stood on the podium once. Mm-hmm. He also had a pole position as well. Well, on track. Yeah, on track. So uh, for, for me, Alonso's got a lot to live up to. Of the five drivers, they've all had at least a podium or more. So is the Renault the best car for him to be making a comeback in in order to compare with these drivers do we think mm, i don't know what, what, what would you say Deval? um i haven't seen the um austria race that happened on the weekend so i don't know the pace of the renault but if i were to go on last year's record i don't think it's the right car to go in yeah I, personally I, i'd agree i i don't think he's going to have a chance certainly for a race win a mm-hmm. podium a sneak podium by virtue of a superlative drive that he's capable of potentially yes but other than that i can't see him coming back and nabbing a championship or a race win unless Renault hit the ground running in 2022 yeah i don't think well at least in this car he can get um consistent top fives or top sevens no i think it's up to it's up to i guess the individual to choose uh, a side for me i'm a big fan of the alonso return i, I think you know he's he's got a huge fan base He's Fernando Alonso. He's exciting to watch. He's going to be that person that's bringing you those underdog performances. Um, whether he should be putting in underdog performances is another question for another time. But I, I'm certainly a fan of it. Uh, I know, Don, you were a bit put out by the news. And I think, Davao, I don't know. What's your opinion? Uh, mine's, uh, I guess, impartial, but still kind of... Uh, you know what? It's it's good that he's back, I guess, because I, I guess let's start with the negative first that I agree with Dom that that he came in. He's probably ruining the chances of younger drivers coming into the sport because, um, you know, he has obviously had his time. He's got two world champions, but he's on the other hand, he is still fast. Like if you were to have like a graph of his pace, yes, he would like, you know, but his 
pace would drop down slowly, whereas others, other drivers who have gotten older with age, his, their pace would have dropped down a lot sharper. So I think he's still a reliable, quick driver to have in a team. And he has sort of a big personality and fame that he can, I don't know, sway the team, whether in a good or bad way. But yeah, I think, let's see what he does in two years, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good way to end. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. I've I've got an uh, an an interesting. Well, when Deval mentioned that, it, I actually wasn't thinking about this at all. But maybe what Cyril is hoping from Fernando Alonso is what Kimi is to Alfa Romeo right now, what Massa was to Williams in his last year there. You know, someone with the experience to try and help bring the team back to what it was, or an Alfa Romeo what they want to be. You know, have a, an experienced head to try and, you know, build and develop. Hopefully that's what Cyril's after. And if it's that route and he manages well, and he manages that relationship well, then yeah, Renault have a very, very good future ahead. Well, we'll, we'll see what he can do come next year. Um, I'm, I for one, am certainly looking forward to seeing it. Um, thanks very much for listening. This has been Track Limits Podcast. And don't forget to like, follow and subscribe to our channel. And if you have any comments, feedback is always appreciated. Drop your comments down below and we'll see you at the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.